the family series as I see it. There's about, counting this one, three more sermons in this series. The month of July and June will bring a lot of different things with anniversary, and I don't want to split the series up that much, so I will be ending it probably the first Sunday in June. We will not get to the part of children. We will try our best to finish the principles for the marriage of the husband and wife. Uh, we will come back to it at another time. Amen. Amen. Today we are out of Genesis. Aren't you glad? We, were, we are moving on to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Oh, you thought that Genesis stepped on your toes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Still dealing with reclaiming, recapturing God's design and purpose for marriage, family, and your life. Reclaiming, recapturing God's design and purpose for marriage his design and purpose for family, his design and purpose for your life. Going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 5. I will begin reading in verse 21. Verse 21. And it reads as such in our hearing. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, for that he might sanctify, cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be that these should be holy and without blemish. So ought man to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh and not nursed. Ah, let me start that over again at 29. No man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourish it and cherish it as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall become one 
flesh. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that he reverence her husband. The subject matter that I'm going to try to deal with this morning is Submitting one to another. Submitting one to another. Father, even now. Lord, even now. Father, even now. Lord, even now. Speak to us, your people. Saturate this place with your presence. Move Tracy out of the way. I ask that you would just minister to us. Lord, make clear. Even now, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I believe that the scriptures have taken a bad rap. Some that would come to me and in the wedding vow, they would say, don't put obey, don't put submit. And the way that the scriptures have been presented in some cases, it has been presented out of balance. We do not see the full scope of God's purpose and plan and how the marriage, there has to be a submitting spirit, not just in the woman, but also in the man. I don't know how your Bible breaks it out. Some Bibles will break it out and they will begin the subject matter of marriage in verse 22. Other Bibles will begin the subject matter in verse 21 depending on how the writer or how the uh, publishers of the Bible chose to do it. I believe that the subject matter of marriage begins in verse 21. The reason why I believe it begins in verse 21, because to be honest with you, the word submission is in verse 21, and it is not in the rest of the verses in the Greek. But it is carried down throughout the rest of the verses because the intent of it, the meaning of it is there from 21. So therefore, you do not see in the Greek, Wives, submit to your own husband. It says wives to your husbands. Why? Because it already says submission up in verse 21, and it carries down. But wait a minute. If he speaks to the wife, if it carries down from 21 to 22, then it carries down all the way through. So it's not just saying submission to the wife to the husband, but the husbands to the wife. You see, falling in love is going to only keep you so long. Hello. Hey, wait a minute. Falling in love is only going to go so far. Those of you that's been married for a while, you know that you in love one moment, hate the person the next moment. 
something that holds the marriage together when you're not getting along. There has to be something that makes you do what you don't want to do when you don't feel like it. Who told you that you will always feel like it? If we would go by our feelings, many of us would have got a divorce a long time ago. There has to be something stronger than just the feelings that we go by. Submission and mutual submission of the man and of the woman means commitment. There has to be a level of commitment that enables us to do what you're supposed to do even when you don't feel like doing it. So therefore, what the text is really saying is this. Submit to one another's needs. Husband, your earthly ministry is your wife. Wives, your earthly ministry is your husband. We are obligated to God to submit to the other one's need, to find what they need and be that. Find what she wants, what she needs. Find how he receives love and adapt yourself to love them the way they need to be loved. When we look at the biblical picture, it is much different than the movies we see on TV. When we look at the biblical picture, it is much different than the, long, the love songs we hear on the radio. When we see the biblical picture, it requires a level of sacrifice on both levels. Whoever told you marriage was easy? Whoever told you that it feels good all the time? Isn't it funny that it was so easy to talk to each other when you was engaged? Isn't it funny? We'll fall asleep on the phone. And now there's some folks that's married and they're like two ships passing in the night. Why? Because we have lost the biblical picture of what marriage is really about. We have lost, I never knew, that it takes some effort. It takes some time. It takes some commitment. It takes some dedication. Matter of fact, it takes some prayer to make marriage be what it's supposed to be. What I'm giving to you today is principles that we can apply in our lives that even though everything around us is falling, we don't have to allow our marriage to fall in, to go down the drain. We can't lift it up to a place where God is the third person in the marriage helping us out. Because I believe that unless we follow the principles of God's word, God stands back and let us do it ourselves. But when we trust his word, when we do it his way, God becomes the third person in their marriage. Is there anybody in the house need God to be the third person in your marriage? Is there anybody in the house that want God to, 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 to referee, to fix it, to strengthen it, to make it what it ought to be? Is there anybody in the house that believe that God has the power to make things right? How then do we invoke the power of God in our marriage? I think we invoke it by doing what God has told us to do. It's submitting. It's commitment. It's coming up 
under. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to do it for you. It's saying, Lord, even if I don't feel like it, since you told me to do it, Lord, I'm going to do it. Walk through the scriptures with me. Walk through the scripture and see if we can work this out to see what God is saying. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7, and let's see if we can build off of a principle here. Here Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He is writing about marriage. Some people say that Paul did not like marriage. That is not the case. Paul approaches marriage as though Christ was coming back in his day. So therefore, what Paul was really saying is when you get married, that it takes away from your ministry to the Lord. He says because now you have to spend time making the other one happy. Y'all don't hear me. Here in this text, he is dealing with the sexual relationship between the man and the woman. And what he says to the man and to the woman, he says, your body is not your own. And he says that you got to take time to spend time together in intimacy, physical intimacy, in order so that the other one will not go without or have a need. But wait a minute. My thinking goes like this. If he's talking about fulfilling the physical need, how about the spiritual need? How about the emotional need? How about the mental intimacy? See, intimacy does not begin in the bed. Matter of fact, it, it, it comes to me in the bed. But unless there is an agreement spiritually, unless there is an agreement emotionally, unless there's an agreement mentally, you can forget about the physical. Y'all sitting here like y'all ain't hearing me. Let me... Let me, let me, let me ship up to another gear. Listen, it is meeting each other on all planes. It's able to agree and meet each other's need in an in a emotional context where there is emotional intimacy. Let me see if I can explain. Went to the hospital to see Deacon, not Deacon, but Reverend Pastor Hamilton. And we was there seeing Sister Hamilton. While we was there, Pastor Hamilton came in Friday. When he walked in, he greeted me, he greeted my wife, and he walked over to his wife, and he kissed her. Hold on, y'all don't hear me. It wasn't a peck. It was, excuse my expression, I think they had some tongue in it. Yeah. 
because a sure enough, I got embarrassed kiss. And after she gave it to him, he said, thank you, baby. intentionality there has to be effort that is given to don't don't think they know why you think they know if you don't say so they don't know I hear all the time I'm still there ain't I you may be there because you don't got no other place to go I'm still there and I, nobody else will have you. That's why you're there. My God. Somewhere or another, we have lost the fact of communicating on all levels of relationship. We have lost it, and, and what happened is we just begin to take care of business. Some marriages is no more than business partners. Paying the bills, raising the kids. The problem is when the kids get grown and get gone, you got two strangers sitting in the house who don't know each other. There is a submitting, there is a intentionality, there is an effort, there is a, there is a holding on to, there is putting your heart on the line and talking with one another. When the last time y'all talked to the place that the talk was intimate? What's his love language? What's her love language? When the last time you asked, was you doing okay? Y'all awful quiet in this house. I think we need to take evaluation sometimes. I think you need to ask the question, I'm doing good. The reason why sometimes we don't ask because we don't want to know. Listen. Listen to the text. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wait a minute. Where did God come into this? Well, God is the one who started relationship. Whenever we take vows, we are taking vows before God. And God said, it is better to keep a bad vow than to break a vow that you have taken to him. And from God's perspective, that when we get married, God holds us accountable how we treat one another. 
That's why God says don't marry a non-Christian because he says, because I can't put pressure on her. I can't put pressure on him. But once they claim to be a child of God, God becomes in the picture and he begins to put pressure on, on, on whoever wants to be right with him. Listen, it takes effort to be what you're supposed to be with your mate. Fellas, Peter tells us that we must dwell with our wives with understanding, which means that we got to study her. You got to know your wife and know what she's thinking, know what she's feeling. That takes time. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, let's, let's go. Let's be, let me work my way through this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cut out some stuff, and we're going to be out here quick, okay? Okay. Verse 2. No, verse 3. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. Likewise unto the wife. What are he saying? Give the other one what you owe them. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, lastly, romantically. Intimacy. Let's go on. For the wife has not power of her own body, nor the husband likewise. For the power is not his own, but the wife's. Listen, verse 6. Do not defraud. Do not deprive. What does he say? He says, don't hold back what God wants you to give to the other. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me break this down where we live. I'm mad at you. Laying in the bed and you at one end, they at the other end, and the Red Sea is in the middle. This is what I believe. I believe the Holy Ghost leads us into relationship if we will listen. There's many of us, if not all of us that are men, has set up in here and the Lord has told us, put your arms around him, put your arms around her, and we said no because we was mad at them. Don't raise your hand. The Holy Ghost had told you, go tell them, I'm sorry. And you said, they ought to tell me, I'm sorry. And instead of doing it, you started singing the gospel song. Listen to Galatians. He says, if you abide in the Spirit, Walk in the spirit. I believe that God is leading us, trying to teach us how to submit to one another. But the truth of the matter is, we're not listening. God is trying to teach us how to love one another. You see, because... I recognize that the truth of the matter is you and I don't know how to love nobody unless God shows us how to love it. We don't, we don't know what it's all about, but what God is teaching me, God is teaching me that 
he, I, I already know what unconditional love is because he's been giving it to me. Wait a minute. You already know what unconditional, if you're a Christian, you already know what unconditional love is because God's been loving you unconditionally. Hold on. Hold on. If you're a Christian, you already know with someone loving you and putting value in you and worth in you because God's been doing that all the time. See, you don't even have to be married to know what love is all about because if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, he's been loving on you. This is what Paul says. He says, I really wish that y'all wouldn't get married. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, because I believe that in these times, because the church was going through persecution, and Paul really believed that Christ was coming back in his time. And somebody said, how could Paul have missed that? Well, you got to remember, the Lord didn't tell nobody the time of his coming. I think that God does that on purpose so that every generation of Christians ought to live their lives like today could be the day. Y'all, I don't think y'all heard me. We ought to live every day as though this, should, this could be our last day on earth. We should live every day as though Christ is coming back today. Let me ask you, is there some things you would change in your relationship if you thought God was coming back today? Is there some things in our life we would change if we thought, Hold on. Let me step into this. God is holding us responsibility for what we're supposed to do in spite of what the other one is doing. Let me put some parameters on this. He's not telling us to put our hearts on the line to keep on being hurt in a situation that is hurtful. But what he says is go up to the point he tells us to go up to and allow God to take care of the rest. Let me change some perspectives in here. You see, wives, the reason why you submit to your husband, as 1 Peter 3 and 8 says, is not that you trust your husband all that much, but you trust God that much. And what happens when you obey the scripture because you are doing it out of faith, you're doing it, God's power is released in your life. And if God don't change your husband, he sure enough will change you. Now, fact, 1 Peter 3, verse 1 begins to tell us that even if you're married to a person that's not a believer, still as much as you can, Because you don't submit to what's wrong. You don't submit to them ungodly stuff. Matter of fact, if if they beating on you, get out of there. I'm not saying get a divorce. I'm saying remove yourself from the premises and bring that situation in crisis. If they're beating the kids, get out of there. Bring that into crisis until they go to get help. If they don't get help, God will put pressure on them and they're either going to break one way or the other way. Amen. Hold on. Wait a minute. Let me run through this. Now, when you submit to God and do it God's way, I said, God is awesome, God. 
He will meet you. Let me go back. Downshift. Husbands. Even if she don't deserve, love her anyway. Even if she don't appreciate, treat her like she's the queen that she ain't acting like. Husband, treat him like he's the king that he may not be acting like. But what you do, you submit and give them what they need because you are trusting God to bring about a difference. Trusting God in the midst of it. See, the principles is this. Whoever told you you was going to be happy down here? Whoa. Whoever told you that your marriage was going to make you weak in the knees? I believe that some of the things we're going through, God is using it to make us more like Christ. I believe that God is not going to fix the situation in some of our marriages until we submit and do what God tells us to do. Maybe the hardness in every situation you're into is that God is trying to make you do what you're supposed to do so that he can do what he's want to do. A preacher was preaching and he tells the, the, the story of his wife, of not his wife, but of his mother. He said his mother was a good-looking woman. I mean, she was good-looking. He said that his father at that time was not a believer, and he would just lay in bed as she got ready for church. She was a wise woman. She wanted her husband to come to church, and she didn't, she didn't berate him. She, she, didn't, she didn't get on him. She didn't nag him. But what she did was, she made sure she got dressed in front of him. Y'all didn't hear me. He would lay there, act like he was asleep, but he had one eye open. Said that she would put on her stocking slowly, make sure she had positioned herself so that he could get a good eye full. Mom told him that, that she got sick and tired. So, so on that Saturday night, she took care of him. I mean, she took care of him. Heck, y'all know what I'm saying. Y'all act like y'all don't know what I'm saying. Don't, don't make me go there. She took care of him. Y'all slow this morning. Y'all slow. There's children in here. I can't go there. She took care of him. I mean, she really took care of him. She started getting dressed as usual that Sunday morning. And he got up. She said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to church with you. <laughs> now, wait a minute. It's not like he saw the light or anything. 
But what he realized was he had a good-looking wife. And he realized that there were some men at church that was probably eyeing his wife. So he was going to church to make sure nobody would take his wife. Y'all didn't hear me. Now, wait a minute. Did he start going to church for the wrong reason? Yes. But you know what? You can start coming for the wrong reason, but let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you, and you start showing up for the right reason. This preacher said his father got saved, started preaching the gospel simply because there was a godly woman who used her godly influence and used what God gave her to make a man weak in his knees. There's power when we do it God's way. When we treat our wives and make the sacrifice and treat them with love, they don't mind submitting up under our hands. There is something that they look into our eyes and they ask the question of I am worth and I'm of value and we got to constantly speak that. Are we speaking words of affirmation to one another? Sometimes you just got to speak it. Don't think that they just know. Are you, are you, is there, is there the, the language of touch involved? I mean, not sexual touch, just touching one another. Just touch. I don't know you're there. I don't, don't my God. Uh, there's, the, there's the gift of giving gifts to one another. It don't have to be expensive. Just let them know you care. There's the one of, of, of spending time together. If you don't spend time with one another, there's no way you can get to know one another. My God, these are languages of love. And I believe that all of us know how to speak the language of love because God's been speaking it to us all the time. I hear somebody say, you don't understand. I came from a broken family. I didn't have no daddy at home. I didn't have no mama at home. I didn't see none of that. So I don't know how to do it. Wait a minute. Yes, you do if you're a child of God. And the reason why you know how to do it because Jesus Christ is the best love giver there is. Oh, yes, he is. He knows how to love you right. He knows how to touch you. I'm so glad that the Holy Ghost will make you shout sometimes. I'm so glad that God will make you run when you feel like it. Won't he touch you? Won't he fill you with the Holy Ghost? Won't God let you know I'm here? My presence is here. Won't God talk to you in the midnight hour when you all by yourself? Won't God let you know you're my child? You're my, I picked you. I chose you. I pulled you out of darkness. You're in my marvelous life. You're mine, you're mine, you're mine. You're mine, you're mine. Oh, I'm not telling you something you don't know. If you know him, you know what love is all about. He got an unconditional, what I love about him. We all been bad sometimes. We all have missed the mark. But has he cast you out? No, 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 no. Didn't he, in spite of you, keep on loving you? That when you should have been dead, sleeping in your grave, he stepped in right on time. Oh, we are loved by him. 
and the same love that he loved us with. We ought to love somebody else. Wait a minute. I hear somebody say, I'm single. Then what you need to do is embrace Jesus. Don't chase after a man. Chase after Jesus. He's the best thing that ever happened to you. I tell you, I'm glad. I'm glad. I said, Lord, show me where to go to. I need to express what I'm talking about. He kept on saying, go to Philippians. I didn't want to go to Philippians. The reason why I didn't want to go to Philippians, because I feel like I have used Philippians so many times, when folks start hearing stuff too many times, it loses its meaning. But he kept on saying, go to Philippians. Why the book of Philippians? Because in Philippians, Paul loved the church of Philippi. And the church of Philippi loved Paul. He didn't get real technical about it, but Paul shared his heart to the church of Philippi. You don't share your heart to people you don't trust. You share your heart with people that have won your trust, and you know that you can trust them with your heart. So Paul writes, and he writes from his heart. He writes what motivates him. He writes about his love of Jesus Christ. He says in the book of Philippi, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What you talking about, Paul? He said, you don't understand that the best thing that ever happened to me is Jesus Christ. I'm in a win-win situation. If I live, I'm going to live for him. If I die, I'm going to go to him. But wait a minute, Paul. You got to give me more information than that. Okay, go to chapter 2. And what you will learn is, is that there was once I thought I had everything. I was on my way to success. But ever since I met my Jesus, ever since I met my Lord, I count everything. I count everything. I count everything as done. Because when I look at the things of the world and I look at Jesus, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. I wonder today, who are you chasing? What are you chasing? You need to be chasing Jesus because once you have Jesus, his grace and his mercy. Uh-oh. I don't think y'all catching me. Let me explain. See, even if you're in a bad situation, you know what you need to do? Look to the hills. But with cometh your help. Your help cometh from the Lord. I don't know how he does it, but the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus transcends no matter what you're going through. Even if your husband and wife don't love you right, Jesus will love you right. Even if they don't treat you right, he will treat you right. What you do, keep your eyes on Jesus. Do what you're supposed to do, but keep your eyes on Jesus. What if you're single? Keep both eyes on Jesus. Because since all you got is Jesus, I declare he will satisfy. He will make right. He'll heal you. He'll hold you. He'll strengthen you. He'll fill you. He'll... What are you saying, preacher? I think I'm saying 
like Paul said, he said, that I may know him. Philippians 3.10, what you mean that you may know him? He says, I know him, but there's more to him to get to know. He's just, he's just, Jesus is just, Jesus is just that good, not just sometimes, but all the time. I tell you, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. No, no, no. Some people think I'm talking about church membership. Some people think I'm talking about religion. But I'm talking about relationship. I mean, that you know, that you know, that you know. Y'all act like y'all don't know up in here. I want to know today, is there anybody that know what I'm talking about? Through the storms, through the tears, he's still been good. Through the sickness, he's still been good. Through the difficulty, he's still been good. Through the voice, he's still been good. I've been up, I've been down, he's still been good. Been out and in, he's still been good. He's good, 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 he's Ever since I met my Jesus, alcohol, don't do it no more. Drugs, don't do it no more. Fornication, don't do it no more. There's something, there's something, there's something, there's something. It's like fire, it's like fire, it's like fire. Shut up in your bow, it'll make you cry. It make you run, it make you shout, he's good, he's good. Oh, he's good. My Lord, my Jesus. Somebody said, how in the world did you get from marriage to Jesus? It's all about him. You don't know what love is till you know him. You don't know what satisfaction is until you know him. You don't know what life is until you know him. You can't even love nobody right until you know him. You can't let go until you know him. And when you know him, when you know him, he'll bring a change in the storm of life. He's good. God specializes when you have lack. Did you hear that? He specializes when you have lack. And all of us got lack somewhere or another. But God will pour more blessings in another area. He may not take away the lack, but he'll give you grace and mercy someplace else. 
Your cup will overflow someplace else until what you don't have doesn't matter anymore because you are caught up in what you do have. Do you have Jesus today? Do you know him for yourself? I don't know where you are today, but I know you need Jesus. I know that you need to know the Lord. I know that it needs to go from church stuff to a reality with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Today, I got preachers that will talk with you. I got preachers that will show you how to receive the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. Maybe you came for another reason and you wasn't planning on joining no church. You wasn't planning on making any type of move. You just came because you was asked to. God set you up. He set you up because he loves you. He set you up because he cares. Today, the spirit of the Lord is calling and he is pulling on your heart. And we're going to shut the door after those two leave because the Lord Jesus Christ is working on somebody and your movement may affect the anointing. Today, if you are out of church fellowship, if you need to be under a cover, if you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself, then you need to come. You need to follow the pull of the Spirit on your heart. Right now, some of y'all is uncomfortable. And the reason why you're uncomfortable because God loves you. And he don't want you to stay where you're at. He wants you to make a move. And when you make a move, he makes a move. And his move is bigger than your move. And all you have to do is get up and come. And God will make a change on the inside. Today, today God is calling you. Today God is making you uncomfortable. And you need to come by the mercy of God, by the grace of God. Come and experience what Jesus Christ has for you. Don't miss out on what he has for you. God is calling you. If God is calling you, come on. Step on out of the seat. As we stand today, we are praying for you. You are not by yourself, but God is calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light that you may know that he's good, not just sometimes, but all the time today. If you're here, come on. Come on.